Welcome to It's Astrological, the podcast that shares astrology as self-care. I'm your host, Lynette Winterstrom, and this week my guest is my friend Lucy Job. She and I met and became fast friends when we were at grad school studying translation. She's now a project manager by day, but a word lover and aspiring writer by night. Lucy's coming up on her 30th birthday in August, which I'm super excited to celebrate with her in Tulum, Mexico. But that also means that she's working with some milestone aspects in her chart, like her Uranus trine and bum bum bum, her Saturn return. We dig into these pre-30 transits and what they actually mean, how to work with them, and how they actually set us up for many, many years to come. She also opens up about what it's like to feel settled, not stagnant. That was the first word that she used. After basically just going and going and going and living all around the world and moving around for the last several years and why she feels the, quote, curse of being a Leo and not feeling like one. We did have so many technical difficulties that you'll notice my audio sounds a little like I'm in a cathedral and I do mention it in the podcast most of it is edited out but in case you do pick up on any of that just know that Lucy and I had a few adventures on the technology side before actually recording this episode. I'm so excited for you to listen in and learn about what Lucy calls the Chiron monster and how to navigate these milestones Hi, without Welcome fear to or anxiety. Here we go. Hello. I'm so happy to talk to you because, well, first of all, we always just have a blast and laugh the whole time, but we haven't caught up in a while and you've got some pretty major astrological stuff coming up in your life or have been living through it. So I think it'll be interesting to talk about your Saturn return, you have a solar return coming up, you have a Uranus trine that you probably haven't even thought about. No idea what that is. So let's start with the basics. Where in the world are you and what's your cultural background? I'm currently in Nashville, Tennessee in the United States, which I just learned that putting the U.S. into that is like it matters. It's very important. So I've been trying to work on that. And then, yeah, culturally, I am super Midwestern. I grew up in Ohio and I lived there for 22 years um 18 of which like obviously I was in school and then I stayed there for undergrad and then I just kind of started moving around the world after that it's so funny like this question has been giving me so much pause and thought because I'm like I don't know it's so boring like I'm midwestern I have a family like we're pretty normal no one has done the like 23 and me stuff um <laughs> and it's just kind of like very like boring like I, I guarantee you everyone like down the line or back in time is probably like just English or something like Job. My grandpa was like, comes from the Bible. And I was like, wouldn't know. I don't know. I haven't read that. Um, and you know, that's my favorite translation. Because Lucy and I both studied translation. So we both have that background. Which is my favorite thing to bring up when people talk about translation. I'm like, there's no way anyone lived inside of a whale. Like they got that preposition wrong. Anyway, I was like thinking about this question and I was telling my boyfriend about it. And I was like, I just don't know how to answer this because I'm just not like a like a genealogist, I guess, or like into that stuff. And he was like, yeah, but imagine how boring it is for someone in like Norway to answer that question because just like everyone is Norse, 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 Norse. 
which sounds like snores if you say it that many times in a row. He's like, it's very cool that we live in a place where like it doesn't go back that far. And I was like, wow, that's a very cool way of thinking about it. So anyway, I'm from Ohio. <laughs> and I think in a lot of ways, a lot of people think that their upbringing is like boring or just normal or mm-hmm. whatever. But I think you come from a family with lots of sisters. Yes. You're the oldest child. You kind of went out on your like worldwide adventures and that comes from somewhere, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. The four sisters thing is really fun. I guess four of us total. Sometimes when I say that people think I have, I have four sisters and there are five of us. And then I just kind of like let people go with that idea because I think (laughs) it's fun. I'm like, if you thought having three sisters was fun, what if I had four? Um, yeah, lots of like very cool energy in the house, like all girls. We're always like, if we had a brother, we would probably like talk to boys better. <laughs> um, but also like he would be so thrown off, like he would just be like our fifth sister. Um, so yeah, lots of feminine energy, lots of like chatty communication. We're in touch all day long, um, all of us. And sometimes it'll be like a competition, like not not like explicitly but like well I've talked to like one and two sisters today so I might as well call the third and like make the full circuit you know sometimes you hear the same story from like three different perspectives which is really fun that is interesting especially as a linguist (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah I'll be like not you know everyone always says like there's three sides to the story like your side my side and the truth and I feel like I'm dealing with like a like hexagonal story <laughs> when I talk to everyone because it's like there's like one sister second sister like what one sister said to mom and then I talk to my mom and she's like well here's what I said to your sister and I'm like it doesn't line up like what's this about so yes everyone lives in their own reality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> some more fragmented than others so that makes sense <laughs> well we met in grad school circa 2015 and since then you've gone through quite a few transitions life changes physical moves <laughs> <laughs> yes can you talk a little bit about your journey and what led you to where you are in this lovely closet in Nashville today yes so yeah after grad school um i was not lucky enough to have secured a job a few months before graduation like you so i kind of hung out in monterey california that's where we were in school for quite a bit, probably like a summer, and then did end up getting a job that was in San Francisco. So I went up and I interviewed and I got the job and I accepted it because I had to <laughs> I have anything else going for me. And the day I accepted the job, I texted a friend from college who lived in San Francisco. And I was like, I just accepted a job. I'm moving here in a month. And she's like, one of our roommates is moving out in a month. You can move in. And I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. This like lines up. So I moved up to San Francisco in 2017 and lived in like two separate houses there. It was great. It was a good time. Obviously, two two and a half years ago, you know, like the world went to flames. And during that time, I was living in an apartment with two roommates. And after a while, I was like, you know what? We're spending a lot of time together. I think I'm going to go home for a little bit to Ohio, see my family. And we'll just kind of see what happens. So I went home to Ohio and I ended up staying for like two months. And during those two months, I guess this part is also important. I started dating someone (laughs) when I was in San Francisco and he moved to Tennessee in 2019, I believe. 
and we were just kind of like, we're going to see what happens. Like we're going to be long distance or we're, we're not, we're going to figure this out. So it was just easier to be on one side of the country during COVID. So I was in Ohio and then I would come down to Tennessee to see him. And then I got tired of my parents and staying at their house during COVID. So then I came and stayed with him and we were like, we're going to make this work. So over a span of like six weeks, I figured out how I was going to leave San Francisco, what I was going to do in Nashville. And it just kind of like happened. It unfolded. So I went back to San Francisco. I sold everything that didn't fit in my car. And then I took a long road trip for like four months. And I went to Arizona and Utah and New Mexico and just like drove around to see parts of the world that I hadn't seen. Like growing up in the Midwest, I was super lucky to travel a lot but I hadn't done a lot of the Southwest. So it was nice. And one of my sisters was moving to Arizona at that time. So it all just kind of like worked out. And then I finally got to Nashville after like four months on the road. And then, yeah, I ended up in Nashville and I have been here with my boyfriend, Joseph, ever since. So it's been like over the past few years, I've lived in, I don't know, three, four different places. And it's very interesting to settle down now and to not have like a next step in mind. Uh-huh. Like I'm just in Nashville and I move really fast. I'm always like, what's coming up next? And right now I don't know what that is. And so sitting with that and just being like comfortable being stagnant is, I see it as stagnant. That's probably not the word for it. The word is probably <laughs> settled, but that's new to me. And so I'm trying to figure out what that means. Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked, well, you've talked a lot about your moving across the U.S. and traveling within the U.S., but before I met you, you lived abroad. You've traveled extensively. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, when I was in college, I went to Chile for a little semester abroad. Loved it. Um, It was a perfect time of life. It's where I really learned how much I love being outside. I was never an outdoor cat. And then I went there and I was with a lot of like just hippie kids and we would just go outside all the time. We would hang out at the beach because I lived in Viña del Mar, Valparaiso, just like coastal city, like an hour and a half away from Santiago. And so we're just outside all the time. And I was like, this is so nice. This is so fulfilling. Wow. And then I came back to school after that semester and I didn't notice a change in me, but a lot of my friends did. They're like, you're so chilled out, like, and you have a great tan. And I was like, well, <laughs> that was the pro of going to like the Southern Hemisphere during the winter. What's up? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just like, I just feel better. So I don't really know like what happened there. And then I came back, finished school. And while I was waiting to get into that fateful grad school, I went and lived in Madrid for a year and I was an English teacher. I love that. We're 10 years apart in age. And I- something I didn't know for a long time. What do you mean? I always thought like you were like, two or three years older than me oh. not, not always not always but like when we were going to soul cycle that first time and you told me how old you were I was like oh. like I was like 23 at the time and I was thinking you were like 26 and then you weren't and I was like wait what and then I wasn't you're right I wasn't <laughs> anyway sorry 10 years apart yeah and I think you've just done so much in you know you're 10 years less than I am under my belt. I'm thinking in Spanish how many years I have. And I think it's just so incredible that you have jumped into those adventures and you just like grab life by the horns and, you know, just do things. And we are very opposite in that way. (laughs) I think that's one of the things that we learned in grad school. But that makes sense to hear that you're like, oh, this is 
kind of weird to not have the next thing planned or like the next adventure waiting for me or like I'm just in Nashville <laughs> and that's what's happening. So I think that that must be a pretty big change for you because you've just kind of been going and going and going ever since school. Yeah, I have. And it, it is a big change. And it's definitely just like so new and weird. And it's really hard to like have grace with myself about it. But you know, like I could tell anyone else in my situation, like, yeah, you're chill, like, just hang out, do your thing. But like, we are our own biggest critics and all of that. So yeah, I mean, trying to find even footing has been extremely strange in the past year or so. Mm -hmm. So well, speaking of the last year, let's mm -hmm. start digging into astro stuff. So we can yes, try to make it topical. To undig this, undig everything that you're going through. Undig, that's not even a word. Um, dig up. So we can talk about everything that's going on with you. <laughs> okay, so you are turning 30. Yes. Which for everyone who didn't know how old I was, <laughs> you can do the math. <laughs> and so when we're talking about astrology, 28, 29 is when we start talking about the Saturn return and what that means. And is it hard? Is it not? So we will dive into that in a minute. But first, since it's astrological, do you know your sun, moon, and rising? And if so, what are they? I do. I'm a Leo sun. And I have a tattoo of a sun on my person, in case I ever forget that. Um, and then I am a Sag moon and Libra rising. And how do you feel about those? Like, does, does one resonate with you more than another? Yeah, I, I go back and forth on the Leo thing a lot. And I think... I don't think I'm like boldly a Leo. Like if I met you for the first time at a party, you would be like totally a Leo. Like I'm not great at like the new environment, but established environments, 100%. Shaking the mane and, you know, like being personable and loud and like loving attention. Like, yeah, for sure. That's me. But it's definitely, that's the part of the Leo that I don't necessarily think matches me because like a Trader Joe's person, for example, how much we love the store, they would probably not be like, she's a Leo. But I do think like all Trader Joe's people are probably Leos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there's that. Libra rising, totally. I get that a lot. The whole like harmony between groups and people. That's really huge. I think that is reflected a lot. And also just kind of like my upbringing, being the oldest of a bunch of girls. And also just having like, I have a pretty spread out social network. Like here, one way that's manifesting is for my 30th birthday, I'm having 10, 11 friends come to Mexico to celebrate me. So I am a Leo, but they're all from different parts of my life. And so a lot of these people don't know each other and I've never met. And so I'm like excited for that to happen. And I'm excited for those personalities to all come together. So I think that's very like Libra. And then Sag Moon, just like the traveler and the adventurer. And that's 100% me as well. Now, I find it very interesting that you're, you have a Leo stellium. So I know in your intake form, you were like, oh, like, Leo, what, what is this? How do I <laughs> resonate with it? And you have a lot of Leo in your chart. What I thought was super interesting, because I believe the word you used was curse. <laughs> <laughs> the curse of not feeling like a Leo or something to that effect. And your son and your Chiron are three degrees apart in Leo in your 11th house. So first of all, 11th house is friends, acquaintances, 
kind of that social aspect. So I think that ties in really nicely even to everything that you were talking about with your Libra rising. But I think when I saw it this morning, I was like, oh, that's so funny that she used the word curse because your identity, your son, is really tied into your Chiron. And Chiron is our wounds, our trauma, all of that stuff. But it's also where we heal ourselves and where we heal others. It's about teaching and mastery and a lot of other things that people don't associate with it because we always think of the scary stuff. But when I saw curse, that kind of aligned with Chiron for me because they're just, that energy is inextricable from each other. Like your son and your Chiron, like Mm -hmm. you're very connected to those ideas or those wounds that you're working through or whatever. So that to me explains to some extent why maybe you're like, what is this curse of Leo? Like, why do I feel this way? Why, why do I struggle maybe with feeling that identity? my son your your Chiron and your son are inextricably related and so for you I think that's really important information because all that means is that number one you have work to do with what it means to be a Leo and that's just your chart that's who you are so for you to be questioning it or to be skeptical or um, bothered by it I guess for lack of a better word is normal because Chiron is asking you to actually dig into that, to understand it, to work through it so that you can then, I mean, to use Leo term, like shine your light to help other people to heal themselves. Now, the other thing you have in your chart is Mercury in Leo and it's retrograde. So for you to be so like, what's the word I'm looking for? Not confused, not uncomfortable, Questioning, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to, to be like, what is Leo? <laughs> like, how do I connect to this? I think your Mercury retrograde is also inviting you to turn inward and be like, what does Leo mean to me? To reflect on your thoughts and to reflect on how you're communicating to yourself about what Leo means to you. So you have all of this energy that's really, like, you're right where you need to be. Like, your planets are telling you to investigate, to understand, to question, to do all of those things. So I will say not a curse. There is no <laughs> no curse with anyone's sign. Like you are born into the chart that you have for a reason. And obviously we learn from it, we grow into it and all of those things with those placements. But really this is just a gift energetically in your chart for you to understand, learn. And I think it also goes back to the stereotypes about science, right? Like, so you were talking Mm -hmm. about Gemini and all of that stuff. And in a couple of episodes, I've talked about Scorpio, I think is the first sign that gets stereotyped and often very negatively. And I think my whole episode with Anoush was about how like we shouldn't do that. (laughs) Um, I think Leo is probably the second most stereotype sign because people just think like, Ta-da! Like, I'm a rock star. I want to be on stage. Like, that's what people think Leos are. Like, they're, like, show-offs and dramatic. And then Gemini, I would say, is probably third on the list. <laughs> Just because, I don't know, people... I, I never had that, but it's, it's like, a thing. Like, I'm mm. learning that people are like, oh, you're, like, two-faced or, like, whatever. I don't know. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't buy into the stereotypes, but... It's so weird because, like like the whole like dualities of the signs I guess like they're something that is so interesting to me is like I will meet someone and be like okay like you're a Virgo awesome like yeah you totally fit Virgo like that is it and then I'll meet another person who has like 
if I know they're a Virgo, but I see them having the, like, perceived, like, negative stereotypes of a Virgo, I'm like, man, like, I wish you were born another time, you know, that, like, I feel like another sign would fit you better. Not that I'm the one out here calling the astrological <laughs> shots, but I do think, like, yeah, there are people in my life where I'm like, okay, awesome, this sign is you, we got this. And then there are people who have that same sign where I'm like, ooh, let's restart, like, you know, that one's, it's, it's just tricky, but... But yeah. also, we are our entire charts. So, like, sun exactly. sign astrology hasn't even been a thing for more than, like, 50 years. And it was just pop culture. Like, mm. someone was like, I'm going to sell more newspapers by selling sun yeah. sign horoscopes. So, the fact that we are so, like, as a society, currently ingrained to be like, oh, you're this, you're that. Astrologically, like, if someone is like, guess my sign, I'm like, no. Like, I... <laughs> You could be so many things. I need to see your whole chart. Oftentimes for me, it's easy to see like, oh, you have a lot of Leo energy in your chart mm-hmm. or you have a lot of Virgo energy in your chart, but I'm not going to be able to tell you, is that your sun? Is that your rising? Is that your midheaven? Is that, you know, like there's so many ways that the energy can express that I think that's something else for you with your Leo-ness and like all of the things that you're working through is like, what parts of your chart do you resonate with? And is that something that you can lean on to better understand that Leo side of you? Mm-hmm. So, Lucy, after that yes. big speech I just gave, tell me a little more about your astrological background and kind of what you think of astrology in general. I think I started to take astrology seriously probably when I met you because beforehand I just kind of like knew my son and was like, whatever. And I think there were a lot of like special things that coincided with you just kind of like talking about it like in general about like what was going on with the moon or like the time we had to google where is the moon because it was so cloudy and we couldn't find it um so that's when I like I could just sort of picking up like little things here and there from you and you would just like talk about it a lot and I was like oh this is kind of cool stuff and then right around that time is when I got pretty serious into yoga as well And there are, I think, a lot of crossovers, especially just like element wise, like a lot of like fire or water. So I kind of started to like draw those connections between like the elements and the stars, which was really cool. And then, yeah, I mean, you were like my go to astrologer for like a long time or more like my crisis astrologer. (laughs) I'd be like, today's a bad day. What's happening in the stars? And then I decided to, I guess, like widen my intake so I started following which most relatives on Instagram and then moving to San Francisco I mean like you know you don't live in San Francisco unless you have an astrologer right like it's just like part of like the the idea there so I continued my yoga a lot up there I ended up going through yoga teacher training and one of my favorite teachers at my studio she was super into astrology as well and I went to her at one point because I was getting really bored with yoga and I hated that feeling because I was like, I love this. I love coming here. But like, for some reason, like, I'm just bored. And like, I was taking a variety of classes with a variety of teachers. And so she and I sat down and she kind of gave me like, okay, well, here are like the eight limbs of yoga. And here, here are different ways to think about your practice. And in this just like, one hour meeting, I was like, oh, I have so much more knowledge. I'm so excited to go back into the studio and practice all of these things she gave me. And that's what led me to take my teacher training. So yeah, between my other astrologer in San Francisco, Lucia, and you, I just kind of kept it up. And then I was just telling everyone I knew about it to the point where like, 
one year for my birthday I got like four astrology books from different friends <laughs> they would just like flip through it at like house parties and stuff and be like I'm this I'm that da 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 and like take pictures and like send it to their boyfriends and be like you know this is what it has to say about like what part of the body is best for like a Taurus and like all of these things so it just kind of like I, I yeah that's that's how it all happened just a lot at once so with where you are in your journey now and it sounds like it was super impactful for you when it came to yoga and kind of connecting the dots mm-hmm. what parts of astrology are you still skeptical about or do you want to learn more about oh I think I mean Chiron definitely like is a flag for me um and I think probably because because of the associations with like trauma and like wounds and stuff like that and especially knowing like how close it is to like because it's in Leo and so close like ugh, that that part just like kind of like ooh, scares me like I don't stay up at night thinking about it I know it's like the Chiron monster is not like underneath my bed. Um, I don't even know what Chiron looks like. I mean, like, is there a shape or like an animal or like a, a, a being like involved? Yes. Okay. What Chiron is <laughs> one of, I don't remember the name. He was like half man, half horse, I think. And I'm horrible at retelling Greek mythology, but I will just give you the Cliff's Notes bad version. Okay, so he was the, like, master healer in the forest or wherever he lived. And so he knew how to, like, make herbal things and help people and teach them how to do it. And he was immortal. So at one point, he got, like, shot with an arrow or something. And to anybody else, they would have died. But because he was immortal, just suffer this pain for every day, like, forever. Mm. And so he was like, please... Zeus, whomever, (laughs) like, please, like, let me just move on because I don't, this is no fun for anybody. And so he did. And then he was placed in the heavens. But that's why, like, I think the part that gets overlooked is his mastery of teaching and his gifts of healing. Mm. And I think everyone always thinks about, like, the wound itself, but the lessons that he learned and the lessons that he shared with other people as kind of this master teacher or guide or whatever you want to call him are really what people overlook in terms of when you actually face that wound and you first of all realize what it is maybe because sometimes that stuff is buried deep down and you bring it up and you look at it and you're like okay I'm gonna have a plan I'm gonna actually like learn to embrace this and work with this there's something on the other side like not to get all Leo, but like you get to be a star at the end. Like, you know, Chiron became a constellation. And so I think that healing aspect, we might be so afraid of that Chiron monster, as you said, that we hide away from it or we don't want to look at it. But that actually in some ways ties into the Saturn return because mm-hmm. with both of those, the less you acknowledge it, the less you engage with these things, the scarier they get, for lack of a better word. And so you take your time, you work in baby steps, you do what you need to do to to manage it energetically. But these are both things that you're not going to be able to just ignore and shove under the rug for eternity. Like the more you ignore them, the bigger they're going to get. Yeah. It's like hairballs. (laughs) Yes. Just like that. (laughs) Or like, that's funny, is hair in the shower. Um, yeah, okay, so yeah, riddle me more about 
Saturn return because I know I'm like in the sweet spot. And like I was telling you yesterday, I went to go find the last recording I had about my Saturn return. It was missing from the internet. I went to my storage unit to go grab the journal that it was written in because I knew exactly which journal. And then it was like everything that could have been on top of the box where it was, was there. And my storage unit is really tightly packed. And I was like scampering around like a little mouse, like on my couch, like just wearing my socks because I didn't want to get my shoes and everything. And then I was like, you know what? I'm essentially going to like astrological refresh tomorrow. So with that in mind, Saturn return. Saturn return. So basics, all that means is that Saturn is coming back to the same place in the sky as it was when you were born. Saturn's a slow mover. I can relate. So <laughs> takes him about 28 and a half to 29 years to come back to that spot. Saturn represents our maturity, our responsibilities, our structure, our foundation in life. So when we're talking about 28, 29, 30 years old, we're not kids anymore. And Saturn is reminding us of that. And it's part of a series of planetary returns and aspects that is really setting us up for midlife. So there's a whole series of your Saturn return, your Uranus trine that happen around the time between 28 and 30. And then it evolves back to your Uranus opposition and then ultimately to your Chiron return around 50. So you are like primo spot to actually start setting yourself up for success and growth to actually be prepared for the next 20 years of your life. Not in a like high pressure way at all. (laughs) But I think just knowing that these kind of milestone transits are coming up, they're once in a lifetime transits, they would happen whether you knew about them or not, right? And you would Mm -hmm. feel the effects of them whether you knew about them or not. What is so helpful about astrology is that knowing about them at least allows you the context to be like, okay, my Saturn return is coming up. Saturn is like the the father of the planets. So daddy energy. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but like not like not like Andy Cohen. <laughs> but like <laughs> like standing in the corner telling you to be a responsible adult. And mm-hmm. if you do something that aligns with that Saturnian energy of being mature and all of that stuff. He'll just give you an approving nod from the corner, but he's not going to like give you a round of applause and congratulate you and tell you what a great job you're doing. Saturn's goal is for you to build that solid foundation so that you can be a responsible adult. So a lot of people think that adulthood starts maybe at 18, maybe at 21, 25. I don't know what ages, but that 28 to 30 period is really critical in in a lot of ways to set the stage not only for your next Saturn return portion until you're 60, but it's like, okay, I've pretty much mastered this physical plane, right? You probably have a job, um, you know what you want to do, you may or may not be in a relationship, you may or may not be thinking about taking that relationship to the next level, you may have kids, you probably have sorted out family stuff, you are hopefully by this time kind of foundationally grounded. And then that's leading you into, okay, I'm an adult now. What does that adult look like? How do I take care of myself? How do I become the adult that I thought I would become maybe when I was in my 20s? So we, as a society, put a lot of pressure on ourselves to figure out what we're going to do 
after college or after high school or like all of these things. But our 20s truly are the time for us to experiment, work our way toward that maturity that Saturn brings around the Saturn return. And then we're able to use your word, kind of settle and just officially be a grown up. I can't think of another like <laughs> phrase to it. But going back to what we said, like the key and why people have so much like mystique or anxiety or insert word here about your Saturn return is because as much as Saturn is going to nod at you in the corner and say like, good job, he's also going to maybe start gently like putting you back on your course to be more mature, to be an adult. But if you continue to not listen, if you continue to not take that responsibility, those gentle nudges are going to become harder, more challenging. And if needed, he can turn your world upside down. Like he can just blow it all up and be like, you're not taking responsibility. So I'm putting this in your lap so that you're kind of forced to embrace the structure, embrace the maturity and let your old ways be in the past. Okay. I'm ready for that. Well, yours already happened. (laughs) I guess like (laughs) the, maybe I'm feeling, okay. Is there like a, um, you know, like when Mercury goes retrograde, but then it stops, but like it's not back to normal for like a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like a bounce back time. I know there's like an astrology word for it. <laughs> Is there like a bounce back time for for Saturn return? Yeah, your Saturn return, you have one kind of Saturn return. <laughs> Other people have another kind. So because all of the planets go retrograde, a lot of people's Saturn return will happen three times. So Saturn will cross over the point where your natal Saturn is, and then he'll go backwards back over it, and then he'll go forwards again. And in some ways, that's nice because you, just like you work with any other retrograde, you're like, oh, the first time is telling me what I need to work on. The second time is time for me to make my plan. The third time is for me to put my plan in action. For you, you only have once. (laughs) So you kind of get all of that at once, right? So great. Your official Saturn return was January 28th of this year. So I don't know what was going on for you, but anytime we're talking about these outer planets, because they move more slowly, you feel the effects of it for a while before Mm -hmm. that day actually happens. And then they kind of ease out. So with Saturn return, you can feel it for up to three years, really. I mean, as that energy builds and as it decreases. And so when you're talking about all of the shifts and transitions and decisions that you had to make, right? Like Saturn, every time he gives you a choice to make, you're like, okay, am I going to be responsible or am I going to like stay with my old ways? And so you've, you've had a lot of opportunities to um, which path you're taking. I feel like I need to get my line a day and like see what was happening on, on the 28th. It's like right here. Hang on. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at my line a day at January 28th. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a chance this is going to have to be edited out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. This is like a good one. Sorry, not good. This is one that like I would feel comfortable sharing with listeners. How about that? (laughs) Finally made it to Friday and paid for a $9 dirty try to celebrate. (laughs) How responsible of you to like be aware. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of work, but also lots of focus for a Friday dinner and cozy couch time with Joseph. That sounds like you have returned. <laughs> I have returned. I like that. That sounds very adult. I, I'm sure it felt very adult. 
you know, waiting until payday to like indulge. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Very grown up. The other thing is you have a needle retrograde Saturn. And for those of us, because we have a lot of similar retrograde planets in our chart, that is often late bloomer energy. So it can take us longer to kind of externalize those energies. Mm. With Saturn being retrograde, oftentimes it can be maybe a struggle with responsibility or you feel overly responsible. It's hard to kind of separate your inner self, your inner workings, your thoughts from that level of responsibility. And I think that oftentimes gives people the ability to maybe process their Saturn return a little bit easier only because you're already used to like internalizing the Saturnian work. You're already used to processing it in your thoughts and thinking about what your plan is going to be, what your next step is going to be, what you're responsible for. So, you know, everyone's Saturn return is different. There are no generalizations when it comes to astrology, but I think for you having that natal Saturn retrograde could potentially make it easier for you to navigate. And then your Saturn is also in Aquarius and in traditional astrology, Aquarius is ruled by Saturn. So your Saturn is fairly happy, which means that that's just another like additional layer of ease or the ability to to flow with that energy. I like that. I feel confident with that. That checks out. I think the responsibility thing is super interesting because I mean, I don't think I'm unique in this mindset that there are some days or even weeks when I'm like, I am so responsible. Like I have made so much food and the fridge is full and all is well. And then there are days where it's like, yeah, I had a meeting at nine and I got up at 8.55 and then like, who knows when I brushed my teeth today. And it sounds like it's going to be takeout for like two or three meals a day. Um, and then we'll just figure it out. And like, you know, so I think like, that's something that I feel that like, at least I know the difference. <laughs> like, I feel very comfortable with that of being like, they're going to be on days, they're going to be off days. And I think similar to this whole idea of like settling, like, I've learned that like, I need the off days. Because like, I can't, like living every day, like by the standards I've set for myself is not sustainable. So like the idea of taking a day to rest, or like sleep in, or like sit down or like log less than like, you know, 200 steps. That's extremely foreign to me. I never let it happen. I'm working on getting better at doing it. But it's learning to slow down because I haven't in, in so long and being okay with it and being like, it's a good thing. It's okay. Like, sitting down is not necessarily a bad thing. Well, and that is also very mature of you, right? To have that self-awareness, to acknowledge that we can't be on all the time and then creating space. The other thing that's interesting in your chart is your Saturn is opposite that Leo trine. So you have a natural tension between wanting this control, responsibility, focus, foundation, all of that stuff. And between dealing with your Chiron stuff, that sun and Leo, like wanting to have fun, wanting to spend time with friends, like working on your hopes and dreams, because that's all 11th house stuff. So I always say with an opposition, it's technically, I'm putting this in quotes, a challenging aspect in astrology. But I think the way to think about it is you're in a house, someone knocks on the front door, someone knocks on the back door, and you freeze in the middle. Like, I think that's what happens a lot of times with oppositions. Like, ah, I can't, 
talk to my identity or my responsibility. I'm just frozen. Like, I don't want to do anything. I just like, how can I answer both doors at once? And the answer is you can't. It's impossible. You cannot clone yourself and open both doors at once, but you can open the back door first and say, hello, Saturn. Like, let's focus on our routine and our stability. And then you can say, come out in, have a seat. I'll grab you tea and then go answer the front door and be like, hey, I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to be a Leo, like insert thing here. So oppositions are inherently connected. Like the energy in your chart is intrinsic. It's just like your sun and your Chiron. It's who you are. It's the energy that you were born with. And we can sometimes interpret that as I can't do this or I'm being pulled in too many directions. But you also have that innate ability to say, okay, I'm making a choice and today I'm choosing this or this hour I'm choosing this or this minute I'm choosing this and then (laughs) the next time I'm answering the other. Yeah, definitely still in the like choosing it by minute stage, but that's, you know, it's kind of nice. And like, I think my, I know my freeze time between opening those two doors, like it's definitely, it's feeling less frozen and just kind of more like maybe still like a slushy like we're not dealing with like full <laughs> ice right now maybe we're at like the froze stage um of, Love us, <laughs> me too me too um so it's been yeah I think that time it's it's just like seeing it right it's like knowing that the option is there and like not like you know forcing anything and I think dude that's like all of astrology you know it's like you can't force it just like let it happen and here, I need to take my own advice be like, you don't have to be like a Leo all the time or like lean into that just because that's your son. Cause obviously uh-huh. it's like more than that. And so I think, yeah, maybe in astrology books, like I'll start reading more than just the Leo parts, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, in your horoscope, let's see, you were born, eight, eight. you were born during the day. Mm-hmm. So since you were born during the day, you would read your rising sign first, actually. Mm. And then your sun sign and then your moon sign. And then people who were born at night would read rising moon and then sun sign. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I and they're all that. just layers, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it's all just different energies and, you know, horoscopes are, are their own topic of conversation and their accuracy and how we True. work with them. But it's, it's all information and it's all going to relate to your chart. Indeed. So one other thing that I, briefly touched on at the beginning is that the same time as our Saturn return or a little bit before, we also have the Uranus trine. So Uranus is coming into an angle with your natal Uranus placement that's called the trine. And that's a flowing, harmonious energy. We love this. But what we've experienced over the past couple of years is highly tied to a Saturn Uranus placement like in the sky in the world and that's where we're seeing a lot of this like old versus new the division between structure and freedom or like rules and whatever and what happens around this 28 29 30 is the Saturn return is like hey time to be responsible time to be a grown-up but Uranus is coming in saying like hey freedom like (laughs) who are we gonna be next how do we want to express ourselves So it's almost, it's this very interesting dichotomy of being like, okay, I'm breaking away from maybe my parents or my young adulthood or whatever. And I want to express myself in this certain way because Uranus is all about authentic self-expression and putting yourself out there. 
And so that kind of sets the stage for you to be like, who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? What do I want to break free from? And then you have Saturn coming in. And in the best case scenario, (laughs) Saturn's like, okay, let's put the plan in place so that you can express yourself in this way, or you can build the life that you're envisioning. But in kind of the shadow expression of that, you get that really strong conflict between those two pieces. And so it can be very much kind of the opposition energy that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. But again, I think just knowing that you have this piece that happens when you're around 28, and then you have this piece that happens when you're around 29 can help you work with the energies and identify where do I want to break free? And then how do I want to set the stage for myself to be able to actually become the adult I've always wanted to be? Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I definitely, I think that's something I've talked like ad nauseum about with my therapist as well. (laughs) Just kind of like, and I also think geographically, like there's something to be said about moving back to this side of the country because I was in California for years. And so even moving back to the closer to where I grew up, where my parents are, where, you know, my sisters and I, we don't all live there right now, but, you know, we all like descend upon this side of the country. There's a lot of, I just feel it. Like I feel like more of the tension being closer. And it's almost like before I was so, I was far enough away where like, it was kind of like, oh, like out of sight, out of mind. And now there's a little bit more insight, but also like, I think I have better foresight now. So yeah, I mean, you know, not like an original thought about growing up, but it's definitely like the geographical change has very much highlighted that for me. Yeah, we all have our own thoughts and opinions about what growing up is going to look like and what turning 30 is going to look like or 40 or whatever, but it doesn't mean anything until it actually happens, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like until Mm -hmm. you actually work with that energy and experience it yourself. So I think that makes sense. It does. Well, I am ready for not-so-rapid-fire questions. Is there anything else you want to talk about with regard to your returns or anything else? No. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Rapid. Go. (laughs) No, not-so-rapid. Don't tell me that didn't surprise you when it went from rapid to not-so-rapid. It did not surprise me. It was very, like, um, I refuse to use a Sharpie, but I'm not going to use a colored pencil. Maybe we're going with, like, a Crayola, like, washable marker right now. Oh, I like that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Easy. Do you consider yourself to be more introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. What is your superpower? Oh, man. Here's the thing. Like, I know these questions, and I think that they're like a few answers that like sub in for each other. But I'm going to say my superpower is probably making people laugh. You are very good at that. Thank you. Did you want to sub anything else? Um, I was also going to say my superpower is keeping in touch with people in my circle. You are really good at that. Yeah. Thank you. You love the post office. I, you know what? I need to go to the post office today. Well, I guess they're closed. I need, I'm out of stamps. And really that's why I haven't been using the mail because I don't have any stamps. So. Oh, well, this is your sign from the universe to go as soon as they're open. Perfect. What is your dream travel destination? Oh, you know, this is kind of unlike me, but I really think like I obviously spent a lot of time in Spain, but it was mainly in like Madrid and like the South. And I would actually love to go to Northern Spain up to San Sebastian, to Galicia, uh, do the whole Camino de Santiago. Like, I think that would be so cool. I think 
like culturally great but also just like a break from from the world um that's definitely up there right now but honestly like my mind is so on Tulum right now so I'm like just being hot in Mexico with so many friends and like that's my like that is my dream and I'm about to realize that dream so I'll pick a new one after that but yeah you've been talking about that since I've known you yeah you're making it happen I am love that how do you bring ritual into your daily life Mm. okay a few different things the big one for me is my line a day journal that I love so much I'm on year nine of doing it which is very fun yeah it's just like you're about to finish your second one yeah wait so for anyone who doesn't know can you explain the line a day yeah so the line a day journal is essentially a journal that is dated uh January 1st through December 31st Every page is its own day, and every page has five lines on it. So you can start writing, like, January 1st of, let's say, 2005, January 2nd, 2005. You know, you run through the whole year, and then you start the book at the beginning, January 1st, 2006, and then you go all the way through. So anyway, I got that book, I don't know how many years ago. I'm not going to do math like in public. Um, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I guess nine years ago. Um, And I loved it. I thought it was a great way to document, actually 2014, it's the year I graduated from college, and document was going on in my life. And the first year was like really hard to get used to. But then I learned that there's a little gift with every year, because then you get to look back and see what was happening on that day, the year before. And I have since turned quite a few people onto it. I know yourself included. It doesn't stick for a lot of people, though. Like I've also gifted Uh it to people. And I honestly can't even think of one person who is like stuck with it I don't think I mean yeah I mean you but like that's yeah and I have friends who are like oh like it takes so much like discipline or it's so hard and I'm like I don't know like for me it's for me it's not but also like these are friends who like run marathons and I'm like yes you want to talk about hard like please like I pick up a pen (laughs) for 30 seconds every night (laughs) yeah (laughs) please you won't catch me doing physical activity um so anyway my line of day that's a big one um I've also started working in kind of to separate so because I work from home it's really difficult for me to kind of separate then what the end of the day really means so I've taken to going outside I'm lucky that it's hot and not rainy so I can just go outside at the end of the day and I'll take like a book out there or a journal or Duolingo and spend like an hour outside it's just like free from everything and it really separates my day from you know, my office in the house to, to what I'm doing outside. So I think those are the two big things. And then I guess, I mean, like, you know, drinking water before coffee in the morning. I really try to do that because I think it like starts me on like a cleansing path of the day. Sometimes it's just like one sip of water um, followed by like, you know, five coffees or four, not five, two. Um, But yeah. I would like to talk a little bit more about the line of day though, because it's one of the best gifts that anyone has given me because like you said I still do it I'm on year seven um so I'm on my second little journal and especially from an astrological perspective I mean you pulled yours out to see what happened on the day of your Saturn return it's really helpful as a tool to as you're learning about astrology go back and see what was going on in your life in certain times I have a plan to digitize mine in notion I have the template already I just it's 
you know, a project, right? It's <laughs> seven, six and a half years worth of content that then has to be digitized. But I think the ability to just see like what you were focused on at a given time, what were you thinking about? Who were you hanging out with? What did you do? Were you traveling? Like it all is data for you to see maybe how like astrological energies were impacting you or how they weren't or how you'd like them to in the future. Plus it's just fun to compare and contrast your growth and, or lack thereof sometimes. Um, It's so fun. I mean, like I totally agree. And I think I hate to call it like a social tool, but like socially it's really fun to be like, I had this like crazy night out with the girls and like, this is what happened and da da da. And then like, you know, I will text my friends all the time be like, oh my God, like two years ago today, this was happening. And they'll be like, that was crazy. What? Or, or, you know, also for like the low points, you know, you can kind of see like, okay, like this happened and this wasn't so great, but I don't know. I mean, like anyone out there dating, like use a line a day. Cause it's so funny to be like, yeah, this date, great. This date, not so much. Like this date, <laughs> I went to a museum and like ended up making like voices for the fish all night long. You know, like it's just, that has voices been one of for the fish. <laughs> I'm at an aquarium. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, if you're dating, use it. And it's just, it's a lot of fun to see. I love it. Yeah. It's great. Okay. After all our technical difficulties, we have arrived at the last question. <laughs> Perfect. Where do you shine brightest in your life? Hmm. I would say similarly to while we were talking about the line today, probably the written word, big fan of that. And I think I do it really well. I'm not always super great with uh, like talking on the fly. Even those public speaking classes from grad school, I usually at least wrote a draft and then would kind of go off of that. So I love writing stuff down. I love writing letters to people, sending emails, all of that stuff. And I also feel kind of like at my most confident when I'm doing that as well. I think that's my best way of communication when I just get into a flow and I do it and it and it just goes off. So, yeah. I've always enjoyed receiving a postcard or an email from you. Highly recommend. Well, thank you, first of all. Secondly, I highly recommend the app TouchNote because you can make custom postcards and you do it on your phone. You could, it can be like a picture that like you took and then you can like fill out the, you know, the info, whatever, and then like pay for the postage and it just like shows up in someone's mailbox. It's very cute. Uh-huh. Do you have an affiliate code for that? <laughs> no, no. An influencer she is not. Oh, well. Mention the code Leo curse and uh, <laughs> yeah. And nothing will happen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, Lucy, I am thrilled to hear that you're surviving your Saturn return. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And I can't wait to celebrate your solar return with you. We'll have to see the exact time. Actually, let me pull it up right now. Get curious. Because you have to do something special at that time. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, get tan. August 8th at 3.54 p.m. is when the sun will be in the exact same place as it was when you were born. I believe that's during a tequila tasting. So, well, take a moment out. Set some intentions, set the stage for your next year. I love that moment. Yes. So, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing all of the trials and tribulations that you're exploring in your astrological chart. I appreciate it. 
Oh, you are so welcome. So fun to be on here. I love this pod. And it's so good to talk to you, too. I know. We have to do it more often. We shall. Maybe I'll do that in my Saturn return. Talk to you more. I love that. Make it a 30-year <laughs> commitment. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. All right. Well, talk to you soon. Adios. Bye. Bye. I am so grateful to Lucy for talking through her experience with her Saturn return and even taking a minute, leaving the room, pulling out her line of day journal to fill us in on the exact things that happened that day. Honestly, guys, that line of day journal is magic. I could not be more thankful to Lucy for introducing me to it seven years ago. If you get into the habit of using it, it shows you so much about yourself and your patterns, and I could just go on and on about how great it is. There's a link to it in the show notes if you'd like to start one, and if you do, please let me know how it goes. I love it so much, and I can't wait for you guys to work with it as well. Lucy also mentioned that she loves the written word and uses reading as ritual to transition out of her workday. She has a whole highlight about every book that she's read on her Instagram, and you can find her at lucy.job if you want to check that out. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. I would also so appreciate it if you would rate it five stars and write a review on Apple Podcasts so more ears can find their way to this little show. If you're learning astrology or have a Leo stellium or any other placements like Lucy, you can find a link to her chart in the show notes. And if you'd like to go deeper on your own Saturn return or your natal chart in general, book a cosmic consult with me at cosmicmoves.com shop. Wherever you are, here's wishing you a stellar day and see you next time.